Jack, Levi. The Book Club from Hell. Hello everyone, this is Jack with The Book Club from Hell, an internationally acclaimed political pressure group agitating for aggressive conventionality in bedrooms the world over. Do you have any stereotypes about the French? Do you feel that they're a nation of chain-smoking sex maniacs? Well, let me tell you, the Marquis de Sade's The 120 Days of Sodom, written, though uncompleted, in 1785, and first published in 1904, won't dissuade you from these assumptions. This is a book, written while its author was imprisoned in the Bastille, which details the exploits of four libertine friends, hidden away in a secluded castle in the Black Forest, where they have a captive audience of children, whom they submit to sexual abuse and torture for 120 days. I'm joined in this episode by Ed, who, as a side effect of common sense, wasn't willing to read this book. So, want to pretend that you've read this book without actually having read it? Then listen on. Enjoy. I did not enjoy this book at all. It's this... It's just all of the things I find most grotesque about the French distilled into an unfinished novel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, can you... Could you back up, though, and give me some background? Because it's not like all my, my entire experience of the Marquis de Sade in life is just like some douchebag humanities professor or some nitwit um, arts, you know, literateur making some positive reference to the Marquis de Sade's quote unquote transgression. But I don't I, don't, I literally don't know who he was other than presumably some um, depraved aristo. And I've never read any of his stuff, including the book that we're here to talk about. So can you just tell me who he is and put this book in some kind of context before you just start reeling off retarded quotes at me? I mean, you have re- <laughs> reeled off some retarded quotes at me over Telegram. Like some guy like, um, I don't know, like having his nuts chopped off, his penis chopped off, a big gash cut in with an axe and then that axe fucked. But like, yeah. just back up for the audience's sake and mine <laughs> so I know what's going on here. <laughs> no, this... This book is catnip exactly for that type of person, for exactly the type of liberal arts student who hasn't actually read the book, who just calls everything that's, that's a bit edgy but is also accepted by all of their friends as transgressive, which is irritating in itself. <laughs> like, for that type of person, you know what would be transgressive? Wear a fucking MAGA hat to work and throw rocks at minorities. Like, that, that would be transgression within their cultural context. Yeah, or, or a Julius Evola. Being transgressive <laughs> is not saying like what your English or French lip teacher said was exciting, you know, a, a deep analysis of human sexuality. <laughs> Fuck off, this book is not a deep analysis of human sexuality. This is fucking 18th century Reddit. It's just like a sex pervert anti-natalist who thinks that like <laughs> his drug use and proclivities for anal sex is a good replacement for a personality. I just did not enjoy this book at all. Anyway, I'll, I'll give you some, con- some context before going off on why I hated this book. Marquis de Sade, he was born in Paris in 1740 to a fairly distinguished family. And this guy was just such a liability from early on in his life. In 1763, he was imprisoned for sacrilegious acts with a prostitute. He offered her money to take part in flagellation and because... Because the the edition I have always refers to anal sex as sodomy, I will call it sodomy. Mm. 
in this in this podcast. Well, that's that's just and, what and it is. And sodomy. Jack. She not, did refuse and alerted the police. <laughs> There's no question about that. <laughs> sodomy is a Seventeen sixty-eight. He assaulted a beggar named Rose Keller. He flogged her and performed sacrilegious acts. The the <laughs> intro I read didn't explain what the sacrilegious acts were. Like, did he turn her? The crucifix around her neck upside down. Did he sodomize her? I don't know, but he did something against God. I think it's better to keep that. I think it's better to keep that ambiguous. It's far. Yeah. Better. I think it's it's one of those terms that's funnier unexplained. It's much funnier when it's unexplained. I, mean, I, I would like to be convicted for sacrilege. Well, maybe not, but <laughs> it's a great thing to be convicted of. Yeah, because what what could it be? It, it'd be it could be anything from taking the Lord's name in vain violating one of the the billion dietary requirements in Leviticus all the way up to murder or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> 1772, he had an orgy with prostitutes in Marseille with his valet and he was burned in effigy <laughs> for poisoning and sodomy because without their knowledge, he gave the prostitutes Spanish fly, which is a poison secreted by blister beetles, which is taken to be an aphrodisiac because it causes priapism in men. And for, for women, that's less of a sexual advantage. And it also causes crazy blistering on the parts of the body it comes into contact with. So he just, uh, as far as I know, they all wow. survived. He just poisoned a bunch of prostitutes and then, then had sex with them. Can I ask her, do, 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 you, know, do you know when, um, do you know how you administer this... Uh... This particular poison is in. Do you do you get the priapism and a and a uh, blistering dick, or do you rub it somewhere else and you get the a blister you somewhere else it. in the dick? So part? I think he put it in their drinks um, and <laughs> blistered. Where did he get the blisters? Oh, yeah, in in their throat. Oh fuck, that's terrible. And then yeah. he's gonna throat fuck him. Knowing this guy, this guy, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, the best is okay, seventy seventy four. Oh no, seventy four. The Little Girls Affair. So his, his <laughs> wife must have been a fucking degenerate as well. Because she, she married... French. She Yeah, she was French. I mean, it's just kind of expected there, I think. <laughs> You're not considered truly French until, until you've had at least 16 mistresses. <laughs> he, the Little girl of, Girls Affair, he spent the winter with his wife in Lacoste, along with a 15-year-old male secretary... And six female servants of around the same age. Some of the girls' families complained that the girls were abducted. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, he was he was arrested in 1777 and spent 13 years in prison. And it was in prison that he wrote several novels and plays, including the 120 Days of Sodom. He was also and is that <laughs> he was an active participant mm. in revolutionary politics. And was almost guillotined as well. Right. I mean, did he have a legitimate um, interest in revolutionary politics or was he sort of just a fellow traveller? I mean, did he have like an active physical interest? I really don't know to what extent he was, he was ideologically committed and to what extent he was a troublemaker. He seems like an inveterate troublemaker in... <laughs> <laughs> he just seems like just ask one the of the thirteen girls' parents. <laughs> yeah, it. I, I'm not sure how committed he was ideologically to the French Revolution. How many books did he write? I'm not sure. He wrote quite a few. 
uh, having read the 120 Days of Sodom, I'm not going to read anything else by him. But <laughs> okay, um, maybe maybe more more precisely, was he? Um, do you know was this pretty much his overall theme, or did he ever write anything that wasn't just um, degenerate scat porn or whatever? This is probably the most scat porn adjacent book he wrote. Well, when I say scat porn adjacent, like it, it is just coprophilia. They just eat shit, smear shit on themselves, shit on each other, oh, shit good. in each other's mouths. I was afraid I was but, going to be imprecise then because I mean I just used the term scat porn. No, 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 was, you, you were. There was spot a scatological on. element. Okay, because I didn't even know that. Scatological element. <laughs> just wait till you hear about how oh. these these men receive their coffee. Okay, so is there again setting it up for me? Is there is there a plot to this book or like some essential names that the uninitiated should know? I mean, because I'll never read this book. I, I promise you that. To, I also I just want to mention too, like the, the circumstances under which it was written, because they're pretty funny. Oh, it was yep. written in the Bastille, yep. so yep. like, and this is <laughs> shortly before. And so he was he wrote it on this long scroll that he. He hid in a copper cylinder and stuffed into a crevice in the wall of his cell. And on July 3, 1789, for those people who know something of the French Revolution, they'll know this is very close to when things began to get quite spicy. Well, things were already fairly Mm. unsettled. But July 3, 1789, he was moved from this cell because he was shouting to passers-by out of his window that prisoners were having their throats cut. So the prison authorities moved him somewhere where he couldn't shout out of the window because this guy is just such a liability. And he couldn't take his manuscript with him and somehow he communicated to his wife that she needed to come and get his manuscript. And so on the 14th of July, his wife went to retrieve the scroll. However, the 14th of July was also the day that the Bastille was stormed by revolutionaries. And so she she couldn't get it. And this manuscript, so it's unfinished. Only the first maybe, uh, it's very hard, maybe third of the book, if that is written out. And then the rest of it is basically dot points. And eventually <laughs> and it was other retarded shit and I was going to say. around for Europe for quite a while and was eventually published. But the, the manuscript itself has quite a funny history. But okay, so the I mean, yeah, I was just gonna say like, uh, I, I think you you never quite know what you're gonna get with a husband. But imagine marrying this guy, and you find yourself <laughs> in that position, like he's shouting shit from the Bastille, he's being moved. It's the French Revolution's about to kick off, and you have to come get his retarded scat porn <laughs> manuscript. It's like, probably better that she didn't like, find what but, he but, but just that said, she did take she but, she took part in the little girl's affair, so she was probably a complete like, sex pervert as well. <laughs> Do you reckon she thought he was just a tortured genius, and she's like, "Well, I'm not completely on board with this, but you got to dance with a girl at Brunya." Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> or do you, or do you reckon so she was like fully into what it? he's doing? <laughs> he's, a, he's a genius. He's a genius. He's a tortured genius. It just happens that his genius manifests in the way of writing about real, just like sexual violence against children. That is probably ninety percent of this book is just child rape involving piss shit. 
whipping. They murder them yeah, eventually. Yeah. I mean, we can come back to this, but I do want to ask you at some point, um, to what extent or other it's a it's a funny book in the way that American Psycho is a funny book because when you sent me an isolated passage, like I, it could have been something that Patrick Bateman was doing, but my impression, or I gather that it's probably not a funny book because it's it's French to start with. Um, but anyway, <laughs> back to you. We can circle back to that and you can tell me what you're going to say. Uh, th- this book just confirmed so many of my... My unkind stereotypes about the French that I have floating around in my head. Granted, this is a single data point, but it really didn't help dispel any of my preconceived notions of the French being a group of perverts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the only, this is the, only... the sort of stuff you come up with. Well, because this the is only a one of novel? these books, the only one of these books, like quote unquote, just putting them all into one trash can of genre is the story of O. And it was just like, I read, read that maybe 10, 12 years ago. Um, I'm like, oh, you know, this is meant to be sort of transgressive or perhaps apparently it's meant to be sexually exciting for women. But my main feeling about it was it was just so boring. I mean, like it was about this <laughs> unnamed woman who is basically dominated by a man and he just whips her and fucks her and shit and her entire, like, you know, lipsticks her cunt and all this kind of stuff and you know it's i i don't it wasn't i don't gather it was anywhere near as violent as as um marky decide but i I was it was just tedious like was this 250 pages of yes that was this a tedious book yes very tedious because it it's this incredible thing where initially i found the at least in the beginning of the book the part that he'd completely written out the fairly detailed descriptions of child sex abuse (laughs) <laughs> very unpleasant and just eventually because he repeats himself so much it's like oh the duke you know the the duke shat on adonis's chest and the 50 the 14 year old boy began crying because of the debauchery and the duke shouted oh fuck and his penis was so stiff it was glued to his belly and then he thigh fucked the boy and then finished in his mouth and forced him to eat his shit and it's after pages and pages and pages of that, you get so desensitized that I was just bored. I was like, yep, this is violent pedophilia and I'm bored. <laughs> this is just washing over me. It's probably doing some psychological damage, but in the moment, this is just washing over me. Well, that's a unique image, at least for me. I mean, I've never, I mean, maybe this is a sexual failing on my part, but I've never had a dick so hard that it's been glued to my own abdomen or whatever. He loves that image. He brings it up several times that their pricks were glued to their abdomens. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a few things he's like cu- that. that he's it's also the word lugubrious. Them. No, lubricious. Oh, lugubrious. L- lubricious. lubricious. Everything is lubricious. I, mean, it's- I wonder what it was in French. Because I'm assuming well, he's just using the same weird word and they were trying to convey that in translation. Well, it's probably, it probably is just the same word. I mean, lubricious is probably, you know... Latin via French, I would think. It could only have possibly come from the French. I'm I mean, just going to put Anglo blame them for it. Good, good Anglo-Saxons like you and me. I mean, that just doesn't occur to people who hail from the British Isles. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, let's get a French guest. If there are any French listeners, they can answer this question. Um, we we are too pure and innocent to um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we're not etymological as well as sexual perverts. 
<laughs> okay, so you were wanting a bit of a bit a bit of plot setup because the plot in this book is very thin. It's it's a paper thin plot setup, really, to justify why you've got four perverts in in a castle <laughs> in Switzerland, shut away from everywhere with a with a group of children and can I just, people telling stories. Can I so, just interject how how funny it is? Like, why is it that the Swiss get the bad end of the stick for everything? I mean, they have to host like Davos, the UN, the Marquis de Sade, all the worst things. Yeah, exactly. They get the, the castle ceiling as well, which is where most of this book takes place. It is interesting because it's because the novel is unfinished. Initially, it says that the castle's in Germany, and then just suddenly it's in Switzerland. <laughs> At least in that regard, and I'm not inclined to be generous with this book nor to this author, but I can understand that and I can forgive that because this, was, this wasn't even a finished first draft. And so when it came to things like that, mm. I'm quite forgiving. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even have the time to go through sort of, you know, like the Jack Kerouac editorial process. It sounds like the initial draft was sort of like smashing it out on the continuous scroll but mm. I think Kerouac went back and like edited his stuff. But but actually, just can I ask why why wasn't why wasn't yeah well I know but we're not here to bash we'll bash Kerouac later no it's not transgressive <laughs> enough. Um, but why why was this book not finished? Was it was a biograph like was this like his last one? Did he get killed? Did he just no? It's, get bored it, it wasn't finished because he couldn't restrain himself from screaming at passers-by while he was writing it, and the prison authorities moved him. But because the scroll was hidden in his cell, he couldn't take it with him. That's why he didn't finish it. So, so somebody else, his wife or somebody else, recovered the scroll. Yeah, someone else. But he never was. He, he was never reconciled with the scroll and decided to finish this piece of shit. Yeah, he he never got the scroll back. Okay. Unfortunately, <laughs> we'll <laughs> some, never so, see. So, some other some other Frenchman was too busy enjoying it repeatedly. Yeah, just masturbating all over the scroll. <laughs> Fuck the French. <laughs> so basically, it's you have four libertines decide to have an extra oh. extravagant orgy, and these people are the. And also, I don't speak French. I don't know how to pronounce these words. Uh, you, <laughs> listeners who do speak that language are just going to have to put up with how I say these. The Duke de Blangis, <laughs> B L A N G I S, Blangus. Duke de Blangus. Would it be Blanche? Some, something Duke like de Blangus. that. You have the Bishop yep. of Asterix, 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 which is the Duke's brother. To be fair, I found that one hard to pronounce too. Mm. <laughs> the four Asterixes? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a letter that we don't have in English. Um, we can I'm just call sure, him the I'm not Duke sure how it's pronounced in d- French. Just call him the Duke of Asterisks. Yeah, the Duke of Asterixes. You have Durset or something like that, who's a tax collector. And the president, uh, Courval, C-U-R-V-A-L, who's a judge, I just called him Courval in my head. Unfortunately, this word looks very similar to an offensive Czech term. So to me, he was just President de Courval, and that is how he will remain to me. Okay, so we've got the Duke of Asterisks, we've got President de Courval... (laughs) Yeah, we've got Kurva, we've got Duke de Blanger and Durset. We've got, we've got Blango and, Dor- and uh, Durset. Durset's Dork. a fucking name. 
It's a funny enough name as is. All right, I don't give it it's that not, much. It's not a pleasant names. Anglo name like John or James, Jack or, or Ed. Jack or Ed. <laughs> not a nice healthy name. A short, terse, solid, morally sound. The Anglo-Saxon. sort of name which speaks of sexual proprietary. <laughs> Rectitude. <laughs> it's funny how 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 often I'm willing. And not only willing, but very eager to make a strong connection between someone's sexual issues and their moral capability. <laughs> My wife has taken has taken issue with this before. I'm just like, I'm like, no, they're cracked in the head. Look at how they behave sexually. That means they're morally deficient. <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. There's a through line. I, I always use the phrase cracked in the head as well. I'm like, they're cracked in the head, mate. <laughs> Anyway, so, but, but enough about me. When, in terms of setting up these characters, Marquis de Sade just tells you about how awful they are and lists out all of the ways in which they're awful. So he is, he's going out of his way to make these very, very unappealing characters. Like, they're all mm. having sex with their daughters. They marry their daughters to each other while retaining their right to incest. They're all extravagantly wealthy and share finances and use this money mostly to fund feasts and orgies. Mm. And um, okay, so how, how about this? So they, before the events of the 120 days of Sodom, to give you an idea of what these sort of men like to do in their spare time, <clears throat> they mm. have suppers regularly. They each have, they have four country houses and each week have four different suppers, one in each house. So I quote... <laughs> That's civilised so far. At the first of these suppers, exclusively reserved for the pleasures of sodomy, only men were allowed. One would commonly see 16 young men aged between 20 and 30 whose enormous proportions allowed the four heroes taking the part of women to taste the most sensual of pleasures. These men were selected purely according to the size of their members and it was more or less required for these to be too magnificently proportioned ever to have penetrated any woman. This was an essential condition and, as no expense was spared, it was very rare that it was not met. However, in order to taste all pleasures at once, these 16 husbands were joined by the same number of much younger boys who were there to serve as wives. These were aged from 12 to 18 and, in order to be admitted, had to possess a freshness, countenance, grace, bearing, innocence and candour far superior to anything our own brushes could paint. No woman was to be present at these male orgies in which all the most lascivious acts conceived by Sodom and Gomorrah were performed. I should also add, I'm not sure if this was something that the Marquis de Sade himself felt or whether he just made the characters in this book. Almost all of them feel this way because he felt it would just make them more unsettling to 19th century French, no, 18th century French sensibilities that... They repeatedly say how disgusting <clears throat> it is to have sex with a vagina versus the ass of a young boy or something like that. So Duke de Blanger and Curva both will have vaginal sex with women, and that's portrayed as somewhat okay. suspect. And um, mm. Dorset <laughs> just can't get an erection at all anyway, but he's, he's revolted by the front side of a woman. And um, <laughs> as is the bishop, the bishop, the bishop flies into a violent rage whenever he sees a woman from the front and just starts trying to beat them. 
Wait. Oh, okay. So one of them's actually a bishop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, the bishop of Asperger. Transgressive. Oh, Very bit, transgressive. Okay. <laughs> okay. This book just yep. goes okay, full go Reddit on. because it has all of these really perverted sex scenes and then diatribes against organized religion, specifically Christianity. <sighs> go on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's... The introductions of these characters are basically, it just tells you about how awful they are. Like the Duke is extreme. He was born to wealth, enriched himself further through extortion. He's proud to have no virtues at all. He has an enormous Mm. penis, which the author of this book describes in detail repeatedly. And he, Mm. he just loves torturing people, raping them, stealing their money. He's just, he's, just, he's just not very nice. He killed his mother and ask, sister over his inheritance. Uh, is, there, is, there, is, there, is there a backstory as to why these suppers are taking place or any kind of description or prologue? Or are we just sort of thrown into it like this, this supper's happening and this is what's happening at the supper? It's just, it's just, um, it's in the air. It's just the environment in which these people live. <laughs> in, the f- in the ferment, in the ferment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not only with these four who are complete degenerates, but I'll get into the structure basically of the story shortly, wherein it's revealed that mm. their particular proclivities are shared widely throughout France. It's just that they've got the money and and the the, the nous, moxie, the moxie, <laughs> the chutzpah to act on them. Chutzpah. <laughs> Some Yiddish term, chutzpah. <laughs> it's probably not some a word he would have used. Well, no, no, he no, wouldn't no. Have used these that word. these four are transgressive. <laughs> they will use chutzpah as much as they want. They just don't give a shit. That'd be a funny way. Like, like if you had discovered, let's say in the Australian context, you discovered that this had been going on somewhere, and these kinds of monstrous sexual crimes were being committed. It would be a pretty funny way to describe them if you're like a newspaper editorialist. You're like, you got to give it to them. They've got chutzpah. They're confident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Here's, here's, here's a description of the Duke. This terrifying colossus did indeed resemble Hercules or a centaur. The Duke was five feet, 11 inches tall. And as an aside, I find it very funny that you were considered enormous in France at the time if you were as tall as I am. <laughs> An absolute well, giant they were pretty colossus. small at that point, weren't they? I mean, With such strong and powerful the limbs, such sturdy joints, such supple sinews, add to this a masculine and proud face, very large black eyes, handsome brown eyebrows, an aquiline nose, beautiful teeth, an air of health and vigour, broad shoulders, a substantial yet trim frame, splendid thighs, superb buttocks, the finest legs in the world, an iron will, the strength of a horse, hung like a mule, astonishingly hirsute, Gifted with the ability to spill his semen as often as he wished in a day, even at the age of 50 as he was then, an almost continually erect member, precisely 8 inches around by 12 inches long. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say, I mean, uh, I I don't mean to make you uncomfortable, Jack, and I'm not sure about the last two um, modifiers, but it could have actually been describing you then. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure you're not the Duke of Asterisks? (laughs) <laughs> this is just a cover Anyway, enough about Jack <laughs> It just goes on also about how good he is at sex Yeah, that's a really big 
Okay, that's a big dick. That is Eight a, inches around, 12 inches 12 long. Is, 12 inches long is yeah. just really inconvenient. <laughs> In- just a billy club. <laughs> it's completely unusable. <laughs> you, you'd probably just faint as soon as you got hard with something that big. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Well, it <laughs> doesn't sound like there was much um, blood throwing, fl- flowing through the Marquis de Sade's brain, so he's probably just permanently hard. It is, it is funny with basically all the characters introduced, he introduces also their penis. So the Bishop of <laughs> Asterix, which is the Duke's brother, he's, he's younger and he has a very small penis. Mm. Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very small penis. And do, do, so, does okay, he tell so us the, what very small is? Uh, it says f- six inches long. He says is small penis. Oh, <laughs> fuck! Twelve, Twelve inches is the minimum required to <laughs> pleasure anybody. Okay, well, we might not get invited to these parties, Jack. <laughs> in future, <laughs> yeah, look, I'm pretty. I'm pretty comfortable in saying that I'm not 12 inches long. <laughs> no, I'm definitely, definitely short of that. <laughs> okay, who else we got? So we got the Duke of Asterisk. Yeah. Oh, and, um, the, and the, and the yep. Duke is, he's a stand-up kind of guy. Not stand-up morally, but he, he likes to get in your face. <laughs> Whereas the Bishop of Asterisk <laughs> is equally vindictive as his brother the Duke, except he's much more cunning. So he'll he'll mm-hmm. screw someone through the courts by getting them executed or something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, oh, now we're we're up to the president de Corva. So he's the oldest member <laughs> of the group. He's sixty, and he's just disgusting. He's physically repulsive. So, <laughs> so singularly worn down by debauchery, he was barely more than a skeleton. He was tall, wizened, gaunt, with sunken and dimmed eyes. A lively, a livid and sickly mouth, a prominent chin, a long nose, as hirsute as a satyr, with a flat back and flabby buttocks that sagged so much they seemed more like two dirty rags flopping over his thighs. The skin there so withered by lashes of the whip, one could wind it around one's finger without his noticing. In the middle of all this, one could see, without having to spread the cheeks apart, an immense orifice whose enormous diameter, smell and colour made it resemble a chamber pot rather than an asshole. And, to crown it all, this swine of Sodom's little habits included always leaving this part in such a filthy state that one could see, without fail, a layer of muck two inches thick around it. And uh, he just keeps going on like this. He has a, he has a pretty big dick. It's um, eight inches long, seven around. But oh, he it sounds like that's that's, that's that's probably the average average length of these parties. Um, mm. I mean, I've got I've got to say that's actually that's actually quite a funny passage. I mean, I it's funny. That's that's pretty. The gross. thing is, like with like many of the books we cover for this podcast, when you hear excerpts, it sounds like it's quite fun, but it's really tedious to read. It's so boring because I I'm only telling you once what his asshole looks like. The Marquis de Sade feels the need to tell you every fucking ten pages what it looks like. It's just so boring. I particularly like the um the muck around the rim or whatever it is. Mm, mm. The muck. <laughs> yeah. To illustrate how how depraved this guy was, so he he was a judge. 
he used his judicial authority to have a man broken on the wheel so that he could have sex with this guy's daughter. And he promised this man's wife that he'd prevent her husband's execution if he could take their daughter's virginity. And so he had the man executed anyway and was having anal sex with his daughter while he was being executed and timed coming in her ass with the moment that her father was executed and then had the girl and her mother poisoned. <laughs> the French judicial system, eh? It's like the code civil in action. Oh, this that's is what happens with the monarchy. You, you just get people like this. With a non, I should add, with a non-solar Evolian monarchy. With, <laughs> yeah. Uh, with yeah. a monarchy not so serving it, the pontifical function between the world of being and the world of becoming. So I guess, I mean, like, we can safely oh, assume okay, that so this our is final literally hero. what is currently going on in the House of Windsor. I mean, this is happening right now in the House of Windsor, isn't it? This is probably what um, Harry and Meghan get up to. Yeah, this is probably exactly <laughs> what they get up to. Just, like, I mean, shitting actually, in each other's mouths, yeah, <laughs> murdering I'm actually people. not... I'm I'm halfway. I'm only kind of joking here. So I mean, I, I'm willing to assume the worst of them. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, go on. <laughs> our our final hero is Dursit, and he's 53. He's short, fat, stocky, but it it is said several times. He has a very pleasant face, and his his hips and buttocks are quite womanly. And he has a very, very fleshy, fresh, firm, plump ass. Unfortunately, it, I quote, gapes excessively from habitual sodomy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, you've only told me, like, a few passages. And it's like, at this point, I'm already thinking... Like that's so super derogatory. Like, does he? Re- it's so surplus to requirement. Does he really need to say that it gapes from habitual sodomy? Like, I know yeah. that it does. Like, you don't need to tell me. I've already heard this. <laughs> no, when it it is interesting reading people's prose because I think from reading prose you often can see which parts of the world people ascribe salience to, and the Marquis decided <laughs> particularly ascribed salience to buttocks and assholes. It's just with everyone. <laughs> And there, there's, there's no in-between. Someone either has a withered, disgusting, flabby ass that you could wind around your finger without the owner of it noticing, or they have the plumpest, freshest, most beautiful ass in all of France. It's, it's really one or the other. It's quite binary. I mean, credit where credit's due. Um, being, having an ass so... Uh, flabby and hopeless that you can wind it around your finger without its owner noticing is quite funny. I mean, that's a funny way to describe something. <laughs> now, the, these men's uh, wives slash daughters, you've got Constance, who's the Duke's wife, Dursett's daughter. She's 22, and he mm. spends a really long time describing her asshole, how beautiful it once okay. was, and then saying it was destroyed by the Duke's assaults. <laughs> He says, after her marriage, Constance was soon little more than the image of a beautiful lily whose leaves had been stripped by the storm. That's actually very funny. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's about all of their wives are the daughters of 
other other ones are the heroes, and they're all under twenty two, mm. and described as okay beautiful, except for Julie. And Julie impresses all of them during the hundred and twenty days of Sodom by being as depraved as them, and she ends up surviving because of it because she's just so filthy. Yeah, okay. All right, so can you finish off with the characters? And then I want to ask you about, like, what does 120 days of Sodom refer to? I mean, is that an even more precise biblical reference? Like, what's 120 days about? So the 120 days is these four libertines decide to have the ultimate orgy, the ultimate libertine fuck party, and they do it. Mm. It takes place over 120 days in the, in the castle Silling, in, in the Swiss mountains. So it's this inaccessible castle. They have it loaded up with huge amounts of food, with some cooks, with a group of children who are selected from all of France according to the most exacting standards so that they're the most beautiful children. And I think the oldest of them <laughs> is like 15. So they're mostly like 12 to 14-year-olds. Mm. They well, take their I mean, wives okay. slash daughters. In, 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 in defense, though, I mean, like, is is this, by, by the standards of the time, would this be construed as pedophilia or a slightly more honest pederasty? Because 12 to 15 is not, like, super young. Like, is there any, like, uh, if there, like are there any, like, three or four-year-olds fucked in, in the book? Not by the, the heroes, but stories are told about... <laughs> How, like, newborns oh, okay. are raped and things like that. Oh. <laughs> okay. I mean, at Go least on. in the modern French literary establishment, I think pedophilia is considered to be quite highbrow. So maybe it's not shocking at all in France. Yeah, well, that's... Maybe the, yeah, what strikes I mean, the rest of the world as disgusting in France is actually just, know, like, a long weekend or something. <laughs> it's just, it's the new frontier that um, the new frontier and, and, and the, the the waves of French degeneracy will, in a few decades' time, lap up on our shores, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the 120 days of Sodom is their their fuck party, mm. and how it's but is there but the 120 that- days like is is that a reference to anything like or is it that that's just a uh, just a random plot conceit, and I shouldn't be reading anything into that. 120 days. Is that a reference to anything? I'm not sure. I was like, I was so exhausted at the end of this book because it's so dull <laughs> that I just okay. thought I don't fucking care. <laughs> it's a length okay. of time, maybe. Like, yeah. the thing is with the Marquis de Sade, if it were a biblical reference, I'm not sure he could help himself as saying, haha, fuck God, fuck Jesus, fuck the Bible. 120 days of Sodom is referring to. Something in the Bible, and then he'll go on a diatribe about how much he hates God. Given that he yeah, didn't okay. do that, because it's not a particularly mm. subtle book, I yeah. <laughs> I think it might actually just be referring to how long they're in the castle for. Okay, four month party, four month sex pest party. Okay, yeah, cool. with eight young girls, eight young boys, <laughs> eight men endowed with monstrous members. And four servants. <laughs> and, and these eight men are called the fuckers. And you've got four named fuckers who are like the turbo chads with monstrous dicks. And then you've got the mm-hmm. four, I think he, call them, he calls them subaltern fuckers. And these guys are okay. But 
They're nothing special. <laughs> and how how the the um the hundred and twenty days are structured is they search for four women who are storytellers because what they're trying to do is just achieve the the apotheosis of libertinage, the absolute pinnacle possible of <laughs> depravity. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, of course, storytelling can inflame the mind like nothing else. So we need storytellers. Mm-hmm. So they get four four women who've lived really fucked up lives who are themselves very unpleasant people who will tell them stories. And each <laughs> month after dinner, one of the women will tell a series of stories. And each of the stories, the stories are all themed. So... Initially, for example, there'll, there'll be a time when one of the women will just be talking about scat. And while this is happening, the four libertines will now be experimenting with you know, shitting in children's mouths and eating the kids' shit and things like that. And they're not allowed, do, do they? they're not allowed to do things that haven't been mentioned by the storytellers yet, so they have to restrain themselves. So there are so many times oh, okay. when you know, the Duke really, really wants to deflower some 12-year-old, and he's not allowed to yet because it's not that time of the 120 days and he has to <laughs> hold himself back. <laughs> okay, so they've got some good storytelling to their porn. I mean, that's sort of Yeah, novel, there, there is storytelling here. And do you, do you actually get the stories? As in, are they semi-elaborate or i mean how well is it how well is it written in terms of like the scene setting do they interweave is it, is it sort of plausible or does it just sound like an internet screed it's it's look to his credit he doesn't go into that french hopelessly overwritten style of prose so I'll, okay i'll give him that however it's mostly most of the stories are just recounting something gross that happened. Mm, there, and there's yeah. not much else to them. It's, it's just recounting events. And interestingly, because he only finished the first, the introduction and the first month of this story, then subsequent months are just delivered as dot points. So it will be like day X and then just a list of things that happened in the castle and then the list of stories told by... <laughs> one of the women at night, and I found that, for numerous reasons, brevity significantly, to be much better than the parts that were completely written, both because, as I previously said, it's much shorter, but also I found it actually much more unsettling just how direct it is when it talks about, yeah, they raped, like, they took a pregnant woman and raped her until she gave birth and then raped the newborn. It's it's set in just such a a matter of fact way that it's even more upsetting than if he'd actually described it in prose. <laughs> um, so is it? I mean, well, obviously, you know, as this conversation unfolds, we will uh, find out probably the answer to this question. But is there's no real narrative or conclusion? I'm going to assume, especially since the manuscript was not finished. Not really. So things take place in the castle and they take place (laughs) uh, in the stories as told by these women. And, like, the progression of the plot will be, okay, so in the castle 
The four libertines set fairly tyrannical rules that the children and their wives must follow. For example, the children's chamber pots are examined each morning by the the storytelling <laughs> women, and if the children have have used the chamber pots without permission, then they're put mm. down for Saturday punishment and uh, flogged and <laughs> things like that. Because <laughs> what the libertines want is the children to be able to produce shit at any time of the day that the libertines want to engage in scat play. <laughs> So they set all of these rules like that, mostly to trip up the children and force them to undergo punishment. And then every every Saturday, as well as punishments, they'll also marry the children. They'll marry one child to another and then make them almost have sex, but they're not allowed to have sex because the children are also virgins and their virginity is saved for the libertines. So... I just missed that again. I missed that. They're, they're married off to the Libertines? To the Libertines and to the other children. Okay, good. <laughs> what, what else are children for? <laughs> yeah, precisely. Children should be seen, heard, and molested. <laughs> yeah, according to the Marquis de Sade. And, <laughs> yeah. okay, so, like, now Bad I'm, I'm just going to flick through and read out some of the stories told by the women because... I've mm. told you the basic shape of the plot, and the book doesn't <laughs> really develop on that. Basically, like the the narrative arc is the the first woman, Madame Duclos, talks about like mostly about like eating people's farts and shit, and then masturbation and things like that. <laughs> so it's it's fairly tame, but. Okay. Each woman tells gradually more extreme things, and by the end of it, like the last woman just talks about murdering people, and <laughs> the libertines enact what they hear in the stories upon the children and their wives. So mm. many people by the end of the book have died. Like they've been dissected and things like that by the libertines. <laughs> but for, for example, one of the... One of the tame stories from the beginning. And each story is meant to illustrate a different facet of human sexuality. So I get, like, it's a a list of basically Marquis de Sade trying to think of weird sexual kinks. I'll give him credit. It's inventive to a point. (laughs) A lot of them are fairly repetitive in that it's like, oh, he sucked up her fart and then cried, oh, fuck and manualized himself until he let the surfeit of his testicles flow over her breasts and then ran away. (laughs) That's a great description. (laughs) He manualized himself until the surfeit of his testicles flowed over her breasts. (laughs) Manualizing and then Socratizing is another (laughs) another verb I really enjoyed. Socratizing? Socratizing is inserting one or two fingers into your ass. Okay. So you can socratize <laughs> and manualize yourself at the same time. Socratizing. Shit, I haven't read enough Plato. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, a lot of which oh, which one was it? It was the um the one where they're all drinking together, which just turns into bum sex in the second half. <laughs> oh, what was it? It's not the not the Republic. It's um, um the symposium. Blank, 
I'm blanking on the net. The symposium, that's it. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I don't think they all have bum sex, but like it's definitely Alcibiades keeps trying to have a go at old suckers. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot like of talk about how like, Socrates is in the sack. I know, and Alcibiades is just like, you sure you don't want to fuck? He keeps lying down next to him. He's like, what about now? <laughs> <laughs> Socrates well, is like, I no, like fuck me with your mind. Man of action. Yeah, no, Plato's the best. Anyway, but enough about Plato. Anyway. <laughs> it was very cold. My little nose was full of snot, as is often the case with children. I wanted to blow my nose. Oh, no, no, said Henri, protesting. I'll do that for you, my little one. And having laid me down on his bed, with my head tilted back a little, he sat beside me, pulling my upturned head onto his knees. Positioned thus, he seemed with his eyes to be devouring this cerebral secretion. Oh, the pretty little snot face, he said, swooning. How I'm going to suck her. Then, bending over my head and putting my nose entirely in his mouth, he not only devoured all the snot that covered me, but even lubriciously darted the tip of his tongue into first one nostril and then the other, and so skillfully <laughs> that he prompted two or three sneezes that redoubled the streaming he desired and devoured with such eagerness. I should also add Henri is a priest... And the girl, the girl in question is like nine years old or something. <laughs> Darting the tongue lubriciously. <laughs> so Madame de Clos tells her, the first storytelling woman, like, tells something of her life, uh, growing up as an orphan and from a very young age engaging in prostitution, from the age of nine or something. Mm-hmm. And much of it is really, really... <laughs> Repetitive, like extremely repetitive. All right. Well, what about what about like, this way? Can I? It ask turns you, into um, her wh- talking about piss and shit, and you say over over supper and over lunch, all of the libertines will get the children to like shit in their food and piss in their faces while they're eating. Okay. How, how about how about this question? Put it to you this way: Given that, at least so far from what you've said, the Marquis de Sade was attempting to give a comprehensive view of human sexuality. Um, through the stories, can you itemize all the different aspects of human sexuality just so I know what to do this weekend and the listeners can all know how to lead a fulfilling sex <laughs> life? So it starts, it starts off with masturbation and like sucking snot out of people's noses. Gets onto scat. Classic. Yeah, gets onto scat pretty quickly. It gets into beating people pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. From there, it goes to rape. And then in the last, mm. like the last part, he does this thing where he takes people who've, who've killed other people and tries to connect that with their previous sexual fetishes. So, for example, one <clears> person <throat> who was, like, there's, there's so much scat in this book, who is a connoisseur <laughs> of scat. He developed, he developed a special diet to make the shit more refined that, of course, is instituted in Castle Silling. But then later <laughs> it comes out that he, he, that wasn't enough for him and he started you know, roasting women on a spit and that sort of thing. So he, he tries to connect your, your um, sexual peccadillos with <laughs> what brand of murder you enjoy. You inevitably start to enjoy Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So this is sort of like a um, pre-Freudian 
um, assertion of the connect- connection between sex and death. Isn't, isn't it the case? I'm not sure if you know this. I, I just have this, this little curio or factoid or probably non-true factoid in my head. But isn't it the case that in French, like the word for orgasm, like literally means little death? I'm not sure, but that would be really funny if that were the case. I think, I mean, look, this might just be bullshit or a completely contrived or fake memory, but I'm I'm sure somebody told me that once. I think my ex-girlfriend told me that. She was not into this kind of thing. I hasten to add. <laughs> she spoke French, but she was not like this. <laughs> I just want everyone to know that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but yeah, the French like the whole death sex thing, don't they? Mm. Seeing him ready to carry out the operation myself, I asked him what necessity there was for me to kiss his ass. The greatest, my dear, he replied, for my ass, the most capricious of all asses, only shits when it is being kissed. I obey, but without taking any chances, and as he realises this, closer, damn it, closer, he tells me imperiously, are you really afraid of a little shit? Finally, to be obliging, I brought my lips close to the hole, but he had no sooner sensed this than he opened the floodgates and the eruption was so violent that one of my cheeks was quite splattered. It took only one shot to fill the dish. In all my life, I had never seen such a turd. It filled a very deep salad bowl all by itself. Our man grabs it, lies down on the edge of the bed with it, shows me his shitty ass, and orders me to fondle it vigorously while he immediately goes about filling his guts again with all he has just disgorged. As filthy as this backside was, I had to obey. No doubt his mistress does this, I said to myself. I cannot be fussier than she. I thrust three fingers into the mucky hole in front of me. Our man is in seventh heaven. He dives into his own excrement dabbles, feasts on it. One of his hands holds the plate, the other tugs on a prick that rises very majestically between his thighs. Meanwhile, I redouble my efforts, and they are rewarded. I see by the tightening of his anus that the erectile muscles are ready to spurt out the semen. (laughs) That is extremely (laughs) funny. I mean... I mean, don't get me wrong, I do not want to read this book, but actually hearing about this stuff is actually kind of funny. I mean, uh, this is actually, this is this is creatively disgusting in a way. It and is, maybe it's it because I don't read. Disgusting. However, yeah, I, it's <laughs> quite one note and I like, really, you get really bored. Here we are, here we go. How There's, many pages, how many pages is the book? Is it like a uh, hundred? Probably like 350 or so. Oh, shit, that's a lot of shit, yeah, so to speak. Here's, oh, here's what. So there's a churchman arrives. There's a barrel full of shit with a hole in it. So he jumps in, <laughs> sticks his dick through the hole, and, and um, a madame jerks him off. Uh-huh. What next? <laughs> oh, here we go. So they're eventually, the libertines are so inspired by all of the scat that... So they, they have coffee each morning, naturally, as served by the children. They end up receiving their coffee by giving the children coffee enemas and making the children, like, hold the coffee in their asses, and then make the children shit the coffee into their mugs and drink it. <laughs> Who needs an espresso machine? <laughs> they also do the same with alcoholic drinks later. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yep. 
Oh, here we go. Next. <laughs> he also goes into the philosophy of these people. Oh, that's so, good. Here we are. Here's a bit of meat yeah, so on the bone. Dursert says, All succor given to misfortune is a real crime against nature's order. The inequality she has instilled in us as individuals proves that this discord pleases her, since she has established it and wills it in our fortunes as well as in our bodies. And just as the weak are free to correct this inequality by stealing, so the strong are free to restore it by refusing succour. The universe would not su survive for a second if all creatures were exactly alike. It is from this very dissimilarity that the order that sustains it and drives everything arises. One must therefore be careful not to erode it. Besides, while I may believe I am doing some good for this class of unfortunates, I am also doing a great deal of harm to another. For misfortune is the breeding ground where the rich man will seek out the objects of his lust or cruelty. I am depriving him of this form of pleasure wherever my helping hand prevents this class from succumbing to him. By these alms I have thus only mildly obliged one part of the human race and prodigiously harmed another. I therefore regard the giving of alms not just as a bad thing in itself, but consider it a real crime against nature, which, in showing us our differences, never intended us to erode them, and, so far from helping the pauper, consoling the widow and relieving the orphan, if I am to act in accordance with nature's true intentions, I shall not only leave them in the state in which nature left them, but shall even serve her designs by prolonging this state and vigorously opposing any of their attempts to change it. And I shall always believe any means to this end are justified. And Jack, that is why the French say liberté, égalité, fraternité. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hidden philosophy. Because, I mean, he was a revolutionist, wasn't he? Yeah, he I was. Mean, look, maybe maybe he was just a mischief maker. It doesn't sound like he was... I don't know. I mean, I don't like the French Revolution very much, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, the Marquis um, decide, at least, yeah. I think he has a self-insert a few times. There's a character who's oh, some cool. sort of Marquis that, at least in the notes of the Penguin edition I have, it says that it probably was him self-inserting. Who, who visited a, um, a boudoir where one of the storytelling women was working and uh, had a child shit in his mouth. And then he spat the shit from his mouth into hers and she ate it. Like, there's, there's so much repetitive sex stuff. Like, Dursit has an enema, makes one of the children eat it from his ass and she vomits. They... They get really excited about this idea of shitting in someone's mouth and then making them vomit and then eating the vomit and then shitting it, then eating the, like, shat vomit over and over again. <laughs> they start whipping yeah. each other. It's like a, um, it's like a, it's like a sexual circular economy. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's the perpetual motion machine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, now, okay. now we're into um, the beating part. So before it was shit, mm. now it's talking about like, beating each other, like whipping people. This yep. part was actually slightly better because I found it easier to read about people getting whipped but not like properly murdered. That will come later in the book. Then <laughs> about like all of the shit eating. <laughs> yeah, all of the shit eating. <laughs> There's just so much shit eating. Okay, tell oh, us he... about how to whip people. 
Another man wanted me to insert into his urethra a small knotty stick that he carried in a case for this purpose. When it was three inches in, I had to shake the small stick vigorously and with my other hand frig his prick with the foreskin pulled back. As his climax approached, I pulled out the stick, hitched up the front of my skirts, and he came all over my crotch. I, lo- I love that he has a little stick that he carries. For he the carries purpose. it with him. Oh, here we go. The Duke then <laughs> asked like, in, case, in charge that like you're packing your Why the coffee was black weekend. that morning. You can have it with milk whenever you wish, said the financier. Would you like some? Yes, said the Duke. Augustine, said the Durset. Serve some milk for Monsieur Le Duke. So the young girl, prepared for this request, came and placed her... F- pretty little ass over the cup and poured three or four teaspoons of very clear and perfectly unsoiled milk straight from her anus and into the duke's cup. The friends laughed heartily at this stunt and each asked for milk. All the asses were prepared as Augustine's was. A delightful surprise. The friend in charge that month had wished to offer his friends. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Great. (laughs) I mean, I've literally just had a cup of tea and coffee, so I'm glad I'm not drinking it right now. (laughs) Is it with milk? (laughs) The tea was. (laughs) I made it a different way, though. (laughs) Okay, um, good. Um, but, but, But what about the beatings? I want to get to the beatings. Oh, the beatings. I didn't write down a lot of them because they're really boring. Okay, but uh, but you said before that it was it was easier to read about the beatings <laughs> than it was to yeah. read about constant shit eating. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he um, describes well, farts as moist breezes. That's something that I noted down. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it starts getting into necrophilia at this, this stage. Actually, there's a guy who liked being jerked off over coffins while insulting the corpse. There's another who, um, one man who liked to have the corpses of young women freshly buried exhumed and he would come on them while groping the bodies and he'd also shit on them. <laughs> is, is there a sense in which um, this is meant to be sort of like a, I mean, is it meant to be sort of analogous to like the symposium or something like that where there's lots of different conceptions of what love is and they sort mm. of... Um, get gradually higher and higher before uh, the takeaway is that, you know, you need to engage in a purely cerebral Socratic love. I mean, are we graduating through stages of sexual um, maturation? Um, is yeah, that sort well, of the it point of the book? Does it have a pedagogical extreme. element? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe it is in – he's offering a series of examples of human sexuality. It's hard yep. to say if there's a through line through all of them. They, they'll have these somewhat philosophical discussions while, like, <laughs> raping children over supper about how, like, if these things didn't turn me on, then they would be bad, but they do. So how could they be bad? And that kind of seems <laughs> to be much of the, the transgressive conceit of this book. That if it feels good, do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay. Um, uh, it's moving on now. So there's this guy, there's a recurring character called the Man of Hell, and he's first introduced when he's having anal sex with three-year-olds. 
That's probably what I'd call him too. The man from hell. Yeah, that's <laughs> justified. <laughs> There's, yeah, and yeah, this guy forces a brother to fuck his sister and a father to fuck his daughter. <laughs> there are a bunch of stories about having sex with multiple women at once that are surprisingly tame in that those are things that I imagine at least most heterosexual men would consider just like actual pleasurable experiences rather than like, mm. drinking milk from a child's ass. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's that's really gross. Like that's um. <laughs> oh, look, I think that's he made, fucks that a girl in the mouth, having just shat in her mouth. A second girl lies on top of the first, with the head of the first between her thighs, and a third drops a stool on the face of the second. And he, thus fucking his own turd in the mouth of the first, will eat the turd offered by the third upon the face of the second. And they switch places so that each girl performs all three roles in succession. <laughs> That's like the holy trinity. The holy trinity. <laughs> It gets more religious, like they'll they'll uh, jam crucifixes into like the the children's cunts and arseholes and things like that. <laughs> okay, okay. So um, take us. What about this one? This one's us. picturesque. He has six mm -hmm. whores lie down flat on their stomachs upon his dining dining table, each with the stub of a candle in her ass, while he dines. <laughs> <laughs> is that it <laughs> <laughs> that's it some of them, so we're at the we're at the part of the book now where it is just like dot points of what he wants to explain <laughs> so he inflates her okay, with the black so run us through, run us through the dot arsenal. points and i mean yeah i, I i'm trying i'm trying to i'm still just trying to get like maybe this is just the unreconstructed literature major in me but i'm still trying to like make this the boy you've told me cohere to something like it's, into a takeaway message a teachable moment so the, thing is, the thing is so you just imagine each day so the book is structured each chapter is a day and basically every day the libertines wake up have sex with children or get fucked by the fuckers have lunch listen to stories and oftentimes during the story, like one of them will say, oh, that was just so hot and disappear with, with a group of children and maybe one of the fuckers. <laughs> and you, the Marquis de Sade will describe like hearing their roars from behind a closed door and then they'll come out and continue listening. And then they'll have an orgy after dinner. And like that's kind of the book. And it just, the, the plot development is that the sex acts they both hear about and perform get more extreme. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's a little bit disappointing that the book wasn't finished because I wonder, I wonder like, what these guys do after their four months is up. I mean, is it, like, is it the kind of conceit um, that you get in a uh, film like um, Stanley Kubrick's uh, Eyes Wide Shut where it's sort of like this is something a bit kooky that people do on the weekends, but then they return to their normal lives? Or are they so brutalised by their experiences that they can never go back to normal life? I kind of get the impression it's probably just... It's a bit of a weekend warrior theme. So most of the children are killed. Okay. In the end, there aren't that many survivors of Silling. And the <laughs> Libertines themselves go back to Paris with the, the top four fuckers, the, the best fuckers, 
with mm. Julie, who's the only one of the wives who survives because she turns <laughs> out to be a real degenerate, a, a right, real libertine. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think some of the cooks survive. And in terms of the libertines themselves, our four heroes, they were debauched to begin with. They, they just go back to what they were doing before. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So we get to bestiality. He oh, fucks good. a turkey whose head has been slipped between the thighs of a girl lying on her belly so that it looks as if he is buggering the girl. He is buggered throughout, and the moment he comes, the girl slits the turkey's throat. Uh, <laughs> there's a man who... Uh, he buggers a swan while putting a host up its ass, and he strangles the animal himself as he comes. <laughs> he fucks yep. a cow, gets it pregnant, and fucks the freak. <laughs> he has a tame serpent, which penetrates his anus and sodomizes him, while he buggers a cat in a basket, which, with no room to move, cannot do him any harm. <laughs> in a manger, a cat in a basket. There's also a guy who fucks a sheep and a monkey and a goat's nostrils. I gotta say, this is an impressive, an impressive zoological logistical exercise at this castle. I mean, they've got a god. Like, no, <laughs> oh, no, they, these are these are the stories being told. So oh, the, okay. I thought, this I thought is story it was all... time. They don't have any. I don't think any of the libertines engage in bestiality. Okay, that would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be too far. So now it's getting, it's getting much more violent, the stories they're told now. And to reflect this, the libertines are getting much more violent with the children and their wives. Like they're ripping mm. out teeth and twisting fingers off, burning them. Oh, here's, So one, one story, a person likes stuffing fireworks up women's asses and lighting them. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good work. Uh, she is held up by four thin ropes attached to her four limbs. Thus suspended in the cruelest pose, a trapdoor is opened beneath her to reveal a burning brazier. If the ropes snap, she falls in. These are shaken, and the lecher cuts one of them as he comes. Sometimes he puts her in the same place, places a weight on her back, and pulls so vigorously on the four ropes that her stomach splits, so to speak, and her back breaks. She remains like this until he comes. And again, these are just dot points. Like, they're just, the dot points are listed as to, oh, these are the stories told on this day. I really like the, um, the, uh, the insertion of so to speak there. <laughs> so to splits, speak. So to speak. I don't want to be too explicit here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> We've uh, all this been is there. another story. He swells her with drink. Then he sews up her cunt and ass. He leaves her like this until he sees her faint from the need to urinate or shit without being able to do so, or until the force and weight of her needs finally tear, tear apart her stitches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, like, when, uh, um, are, are you beginning uh, to uh, see uh, what I mean when I said that this book is boring? Like, it, is, yeah. it is just this. I mean, I don't mean to be such a bad um, co-host for this podcast, but I mean, like, I've actually sort of run out of things to really say now. I'm just sort of like sitting here on my couch on Labor Day in Victoria, Australia, <laughs> just sort of, just sort of like chuckling to myself, like, <laughs> gross. 
You see what I mean, though, when before this I said to you, I actually just don't have much to say about this book. <laughs> and it's, this is almost the worst review of something I can give where in the end, like initially at the start, I thought, yeah, this is, this is horrible. And by the end yeah. of it, I was like, I'm bored. And I don't have anything to say. Like it just it hasn't left much of an impression on me. It's just it's just gross and dull. Like this is just what? fucking shit. That's my review. Oh, here we go. This, he cuts off like a young boy's sucked. four limbs, buggers the torso, feeds him well, and so keeps him alive. As the limbs were not cut off too close to the torso, he lives for a long time. He buggers him thus for more than a year. More than a year? Story about some French pervert. (laughs) Just more than a year? Like, and even, so this is in the dot point section as well. So it's just like dot point. um, Like, like, like how much creative thought went into that decision? He's like, and he fucks him for um, more than a year. A year. (laughs) Like, like, like that's a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he's got a bit about pregnant women and like, all sorts of disgusting things people do to pregnant women. One of the women okay. becomes pregnant, and like I guess a climax of the book is that they like remove the libertines remove the fetus from her belly, like surgically mm-hmm. while she's alive, and then kill her. I guess like that's the closest thing there is to like a, a climax of this book. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean that's that's not great. Um, Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I am, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed. Well, I wouldn't say I was disappointed. I wasn't expecting much from this. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting much from I was hearing about the Marquis de Sade. But I mean, like we started recording this at 6, like 10 a.m. in where I am. And by 7.30 in the morning, <laughs> I'm already bored by hearing about this. No, it's, 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 it's a boring book. It's, it's actually boring. Like even I mean, though... I, even though it's full of bestiality, scat, and pedophilia, it's just dull. Okay, so what about I, this? This is this is the bit where he compares what people's kinks used to be and now how they enjoy murdering people. Like he used okay. to enjoy bestiality, and now he likes having a girl deflowered before him by a stallion that kills her. <laughs> so reverse, be- reverse bestiality. <laughs> he used I to guess. enjoy fucking asses. And now he buries a girl halfway up and feeds her until half her body is rotten. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> anal sex leads to this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he's he's put a lot of, he's done the hard thinking about sexual perversion. We'll give him that. Yeah. Um, like he's done a lot of thinking. It's uh, yeah. more stuff about like throwing women into furnaces. <laughs> strapping women to rockets and then firing them into the air. Uh, yeah, filling a woman yeah. with gunpowder from every orifice, setting it on fire, and all her limbs break off and fly off at the same time. <laughs> That's just, like, I, I like the ones that are just like so like comical. It's like almost like a, a cartoonish. <laughs> It's almost like Disney. <laughs> like, like, ah, that's what you do with chicks. <laughs> um, okay, well, um, just to take a step back here, is there anything, like, more worthwhile we can say about this book? Is there any, like, really, really. decent passages? Like or, is, or is this just it? I mean, I feel like we're just like, going out on a whimper it's here. so boring. <laughs> okay. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really feel inclined at this point after an hour and a half or hour and 15 minutes to spend any more time listening to this shit. No, so. like I can keep reading How- stuff out, but that, that is, I'm not exaggerating when I say that that's the book. That's it. Okay. All right. Is there anything we haven't covered that you would like to communicate to the listeners, Jack, about this book? Is there any like uh, anything interesting, any interpretations? Okay. That's just it. <laughs> it's just like this book no, is not the, very good. The people who say, oh, it's, it's a deeply transgressive but methodical study of human sexuality, it's not. <laughs> it's like, methodical? It's, it's him just <laughs> listing out uh, what's just the most gross thing I can think of and then can I one-up that? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I must say, I think I, at, at the start of this discussion, I was a little bit unfair when I said that I'd read the story of O and, um, like, that was just boring. And, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. That book sucks and it's a boring book. But, like, that was at least well-written. There was a sense of, like, there was a bit you could, like, interpret. There was a bit of a plot arc. This just sounds just shit. It just sounds it boring sucks. and bad just and then when you get to dot pointing like your your, your book you, that you don't even finish like it's just god what a fucking loser <laughs> jesus and it's it's not entirely his fault because he didn't get to finish it granted the bit i enjoyed the least was the bit that he had written out in full because at least with the dot yeah. point stuff you can just skim over it so okay. I, I guess but, in I mean, some way does... i'm saying the most enjoyable part of the book is the part that I had to expend the least, the least effort on reading. But the best, I, I, I part think of I the can blame say also must lie on the people who insist that it's this misunderstood work of genius. It's, it's not. It sucks. I would say, I it's don't just know. bad. Sitting, sitting from my academic and very well-researched position here, I can confidently say about that the best thing about this book is this podcast. <laughs> this, is, this is as good as it's going to get. <laughs> like, I, mean, I mean, look, the guy obviously has a talent for descriptions of a certain kind. But to be yes. honest, you know, this is just kind of the stupid shit that, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not that... I, I, I'm pretty sexually conventional, I must say, even by normal person standards. I'm a pretty vanilla person. But like, like this has a it has a cartoonish quality that if I was like mad high on drugs at four a.m. with some of my mates maybe five years ago, like we might say some stupid shit, be like, <laughs> like the chick blowing up, like that's funny, like a bit of a cartoonish <laughs> yeah, quality flying off at once. Yeah, and like I mean, and I must say the 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 children shitting milk into cups um thing is like impressively gross, and like, but I don't know, there's no. Maybe, I don't know. Am I too young, too old for this? I'm not sure. Like, would I have enjoyed this more listening to this when I was 18? I was like, ha oh, ha, yeah, that's the dark, dirty secret about what adult life is like. But maybe, I, I don't know. I feel like I've become more conventional as I've gotten older, and this just, just this does not interest me at all. The thing <laughs> is, I don't even think conventionality in terms of your sex life is what would or wouldn't allow you to enjoy this book. I think it is actually, this is quite a repetitive book, which doesn't have much plot development. Mm. Very, very poorly characterised characters who are paper thin. Mm. And it's just a deeply repetitive structure. It's just, let's have, let's have a list of gross stories where Marky decides just tries to think about the grossest sex acts he can come up with. And then... Inevitably, one of the four libertines will cry, oh, fuck, 
and his penis will be glued to his abdomen and he'll run away to perform that sex act on a bunch of children and then come back. It's, it's just that. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I can see why a certain group of English, or not English literature, French literature academics would get around this and say, oh, it's so misunderstood, it's so good, because those people reflexively convince themselves that they enjoy things that most people don't enjoy because they think that speaks of their intelligence or something, yeah, I guess. Yeah, or their imaginative capacity. Apart from that group of people who have been so overeducated that they can no longer see what is good literature and what isn't, I just can't see anyone enjoying this. Yeah, I wonder sometimes, I mean, sometimes, as much as I love to hang shit on the French, and who doesn't, um, I think like sometimes <laughs> I do have a bit of sympathy for them insofar as like there's a bit of like a... Um, uh, inferiority complex amongst Anglo-American, Australian uh, humanities people where they just sort of think everything the French do is great. But I wonder mm. if actual French people, if this has much of a reputation in France or whether it's just like a, a boring, shitty book that no one cares about. Yeah, I'm not, I really don't know. I mean, at least because I've absorbed so many Czech stereotypes about the French, my first thought yeah. would be that they like it. But that's yeah. <laughs> coming from someone who hasn't been to France in years. <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and I didn't ask anyone when I was in France last I'm like what do you think of this book should I read it like, <laughs> the, 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 most of them are going to be like that's stupid how like, do you normally up. receive the milk for your coffee <laughs> <laughs> if I got I that answer the, I would the laugh your shit eat into my cup from the ass <laughs> oh, fuck I hate the French accent um <laughs> Anyway, we're going nowhere. I'm glad that I have successfully conveyed to you how boring this book is. Yeah, (laughs) this is genuinely disappointed. I am. I am. I mean, I I feel like okay. Let me put it this way. I feel I feel a little bit like I've let the listeners down for not being very interesting or entertaining, and that like maybe part of it's my fault because I didn't like actually read anything and I just came onto this as a interlocutor. But I actually kind of genuinely no, believe that what you're saying I is true. This book is just boring. Like it wouldn't make any difference. And I just like I mean I have you have a very Jack is a very strong discipline and is able to just like punch through stuff that no one else would read, which is why he does this podcast. But like I just like I think even if I'd attempted I would have made like twenty pages of this and then just stopped. <laughs> Just It'd no be twenty good. pages too many. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad. Look, I'm glad I heard. I've 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 received some new images in my mind on this beautiful Labor Day in Victoria, Australia. You know, workers of the world. This is what, yeah, workers of the world unite in sexual solidarity. Um, take take Monday off. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I've got something to. <laughs> I've got something to I chew over on my add. family Do breakfast I recommend this, this book? No. I don't recommend it. It's a waste no. of time. <laughs> okay. All right. How about this? Is this where... Uh, I don't know how many books or um, cultural artifacts you have examined for the purpose of this podcast by now, but let's say 30. Um, where would this rank? Is this maybe the worst thing you've read for this show or the most uh, boring? In terms of boring, this this is comparable to Juan Pesadas in terms of how boring it is, <laughs> oh, and that's yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that a really real boring. insult. But that was no, boring in like this a, is Pesadas to your boredom. 
Okay, but but Poseidus was boring in a, a just like a um uh, really tedious sort of like Castro length speech sort of way, wasn't it? Yeah, like he was he was a Trotskyist, the the, the quote unquote Trotskyist, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the pro nuclear war aliens are communist Trotskyist. <laughs> I mean, but that's just way more funny as well. Like, at least that conceit's much more funny. Whereas this is just the conceit's more much funnier. Yeah, I'll yeah. I'll give him that. Okay, yeah, I, this probably actually ranks below Poseidus. Yeah. Okay. So this so is I'd... the the worst thing you've read <laughs> this podcast, and it's and it's, it's it's like it's, it's not an even it's higher... not the most upsetting thing, but it's definitely the most. Yeah, I reckon it is the most boring, more boring than Poseidus. That's my review. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't. I'm not really, uh, I don't feel like upset by any of this kind of shit. It's just kind of, I mean, I, it, the only thing, like hearing these passages, my response has been first, like first a loud l- laugh, then a mild chuckle, then boredom. And I think that will probably come across as you've read more and more passages. Like I was laughing like an hour ago and now I'm just like, I listened to it. I'm just like, uh-huh, next. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Now, now try 350 pages of it, and that is the experience of the 120 days of Sodom. All right. Um, I think we'll call that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for soldiering through this one. <laughs> Thanks to the listeners. <laughs> Jack promises to have something better for you next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> No, nothing. Nothing All I'm right. reading is as dull as, as as the 120 days of Sodom, and we're going to do an episode on on the camp of the saints at some point, which is a dr- yes. dramatically more entertaining book. Yes, the camp of the saints. Look, uh, that's probably the next episode for which I'll uh, I'll be joining the show. Camp of the Saints. I've picked up in a few weeks. Um, I, I, I'm I'm a very slow reader, but I'm really enjoying this book. It's really really funny. So I think Jack and I will have a good time when I eventually uh, catch up to him. <laughs> <laughs> and it and and it will redeem our view of the French. That's it will it'll redeem our That's view true, of the French. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we'll have good things to say about the French next time I'm on the show. <laughs> we will. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye-bye, listeners.